Tony Speaks and this is my lovely wife, Kim. We are the founders and co-creators of the lifestyle brand and podcast, Becoming Disciplined. Every week we meet, learn from, and share best practices with highly disciplined men and women from a variety of fields and endeavors. Follow us on our journey. Today on Becoming Disciplined, we interview a true multi-hyphenate. Do you know what a multi-hyphenate is? A multi-hyphenate is a person with several professions or skills. And today, we are talking to a man who has genius level skill in various categories. Today, we speak to a singer, a writer, a poet, a preacher. Today, we speak to Raymond Cotman. But today, while he has many things, Raymond Cotman is becoming disciplined. Three. Today on Becoming Disciplined, we interview a true multi-hyphenate. We interview a poet, a singer, a preacher, and an MC extraordinaire, Mr. Raymond Cotman. Raymond, welcome to Becoming Disciplined. We are so honored to have you. Oh, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm a little nervous about what questions might be asked, but you know what? I'm just going to be as transparent as possible because what I, I do recognize about people is they appreciate transparency. So, look, it, this is going to be a good interview. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, unless you're Will Smith transparent. Will Smith may have broken the transparency <laughs> box. Amen. Right. Other than that, we good. We good, brother. Okay. Amen. Now, Raymond, before you educate us and share your current story, I think it's good for my audience to be aware of your context, the beginning of your story. Where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Well, I grew up in Verina, uh, in the eastern part of Henrico, in Richmond, Virginia. It sounds like three cities in one, but, it's, <laughs> you know, now they Henrico is its own entity. Back in the day, my address was Richmond, Virginia, but now it's uh, Verina. Imagine that. But that's where I grew up, where my parents still live. Um, parents uh, are Christian, so I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, apostolic. Um, holiness. Most people are familiar with uh, holiness or old school holiness kind of environment. And so... That was the environment that I grew up in. Uh, we didn't have a lot, but um, God was on our side and he provided for us and um, didn't do a lot, didn't play any sports. I was, I, you know, probably part of my testimony later on is that I realized I am a creator. And uh, I, I'd like to think that we all are, but, you know, some people, you know, it's how you define it, right? So, but I didn't realize I was a creative until in my late 30s, my 40s, really developing uh, in the area of uh, arts. You know, I've always been a singer, but I'm writing, I write plays, I do a lot of other things. But my beginning and my ending, whenever that is, dot, dot, whatever, will always be that I grew up in church. I am a believer. Amen. And so um, that will not change. God is, a, is the core of my life, core of my heart. My desire has always been to please him. Don't always get it right, but guess what? He is standing right there with outstretched arms waiting to receive us and to love on us and to embrace us. And so I'm still embracing all of those wonderful things. So that's a little bit of my history. I have um, two sisters. 
My oldest sister died in 
the sound, the beautiful sound. Uh, I don't think all sounds are beautiful. Um, and I think that's what makes a Macy Gray unique, right? right? So I think with discipline, constantly doing over and over and over and over, that someone who may not have the prettiest sound can actually hold a tune. And so, yeah, I do believe that people can be that and do that and learn how to do that. I was talking to someone uh, this evening, actually, who was feeling bad about an audition that they recently had. Or actually, it wasn't an audition. It was um, a funeral. And she was like, I was horrible. It was really bad. But it comes with a skill. You have to do it over and over and over. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing, you know, yeah. I, I say that lightly, but I do believe repetition creates a skill. That's right. So I, I do believe that. So, yeah. So if you, And if you need lessons, get your boy up. I do I, a few lessons. I can help you. All right, brother. I, I've always wanted to be one of them blue chip preachers that could sing, you know, sing at the end of the sermon, you know, and, and I'm right. not there yet. Amen. <laughs> but but uh, so, so yeah, definitely. I might hit you up. I might hit you up. Now, uh, now when it comes to, no, and it's funny you said that because I heard an artist one day say that the power of drawing is not in the hand, it's in the perception of, of what you see with the eye. And yeah. and uh, as I'm watching my children uh, try to become better singers, it's really in hearing, it's hearing the music so that they can find their voice. Amen, yeah. and, uh, that's, that's very powerful. And now, a, lot of time, a lot of times it's in the quiet as well. So a lot of times people are trying to project something, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's in the subtleties of the voice. It's not in the strength or the volume, it's in the, Subtleties, yes, Jesus loves me, oh yes, if I'm singing it to myself. But what I've realized and discovered that even in churches, even when I'm up ministering in song, sometimes I revert back to the bathroom or to the shower. I revert back to that space in the home where I'm just kind of singing to myself and it sounds really good and it's clear and God responds and I find myself in a moment of worship. Like it's not in the volume, it's in it's even even in the subtleties, and it, it doesn't require all that extra stuff that we hear, all the extra run. It doesn't require all that. Just amen. the subtleties, yeah. Anyway, amen, amen, amen. Well, I, I can tell. I was telling I was telling the two or three people that were on the screen. I was like, I uh, invited uh, Brother Cotman on because. Um, I've been to a million church services, you know, government, government ceremonies and all these other things. And, uh, brother, I, I'm, I, I promise you, I'm not, I, I've even in the military, they have this thing called PAO, where it's like, there's people who are trained in public affairs and they're trained on how to handle ceremonies and events. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this with, with full sincerity, not any, because uh, I don't, I don't give fake praise. Out of all of the thousands of events I've been to, you were probably the smoothest, best uh, oh, wow. MC that I've ever heard. You know, and uh, so th does that come from just uh, church training, and, or is that you know, did you have any education at that, or the Lord just made you that way? Well, I guess, I guess. Here, let me, let me, let me, let me <laughs> narrow down this question. Uh, did that come from maybe your acting skills, improvisation? Because I'll, I'll say this, 
as long as I can script everything out and nothing unexpected happens, right. I'm a I'm a pretty good MC. Okay. But if anything unexpected happens, it's right. a wrap. Okay. So right. it's a wrap, Shorty. So my question is this. What made you a good MC, and 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 what? How do you think God, through His providence, made you the MC that you are? You know, it's it's funny that you say all of that, um, and I, I laugh, I blush actually, because I don't necessarily see myself that way, which is the irony of it all. Um, I have not MC a program in years. When I say years, like maybe twenty years or more. Right. Um, and I would always be nervous when I would have to go to a church and MC. Someone saw something in me that they thought I could get up and do that. And so I would be very nervous. I think what has helped me is um, leading worship, being in front of people on a very consistent basis for years. And so um, now you put me in a, another arena. I may not be as smooth. I wouldn't want to disappoint you. So, <laughs> but. But in, in a church setting, I recognize um, people appreciate um, realness, transparency, and I try to be as real as possible um, so that I can connect with people and so that people can connect with what I'm sharing or, or saying. Um, and I want to see that as a playwright. I want to see that on stage. I want to write something that when you come, you'll say, you know what, that's my life. And I can't tell you how many times I've written productions and actually produce them. And I've had people come up and say, how did you know that? I'll, I'll share this quick um, testimony. I did a, a play about five years ago now, back in 2017. It was called Bloodstained Couch. And in this particular production, it deals with male-on-male -male rape. Um, it's a subject that is really taboo in most, um, most um, cultures. Um, at, at the end of the play, a gentleman approaches me with his wife, and they were like, this was a really great play. I really appreciated it. And then he pulled me aside from his wife, and he said, that was my story. Wow. I, that happened to me in the military. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God. But that's why I write. I write so that people can see their story mm. being shared on a public platform so that they don't live in the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment of what happened to them. It happened to them. It's not them. And mm -hmm. so um, that's what I connect with. And that's what I try to connect with whenever I I, I'm, I have the opportunity to share. But, I, you know, I'll tell you this, you know, um, I'm at Faith and Family Church with Pastor Calvin Duncan. And Pastor Duncan, for those who may not uh, be familiar with him, he's a Hall of Famer at VCU. Uh, he was a number one, uh, or he was in the top five draft pick back in the mid-80s. He's definitely known for his skill and his talent. But if there ever was a people person uh, that God created, it would be Pastor Duncan. He can walk into any room, literally in any country, and people are going to want to know who he is. He's going to walk away with friends and contact information because that's just on him. Being around him for, you know, 17 years, uh, I think some of that has kind of like spilled over on me. Um, and uh, I appreciate that about the church, you know, a church that loves intentionally. And we need more of that in today's world, today's culture, in particular, the church world, the Christian world. We need to mm -hmm. learn how to love people intentionally, not Amen. not tolerate them, but love them with the love of the Lord. And I'm not going to preach about it because I could. I've been <laughs> talking about it and ministering about it for the last four weeks about God's creation, man. 
but I get some of that from him. So I've become very comfortable when I'm in the, you know, in the marketplace. I may be walking to my car and I'll see someone and I make sure that I look them in the face, in the eyes and say, hello, how are you? Amen. <laughs> for Amen. some reason, it catches people off and they smile, they release and they talk. <clears throat> it's been incredible. So um, I try to take that where, with me wherever I go. And I feel like I'm, I'm walking in a grace of it right now. I really do. Um, yeah. I appreciate the compliment. Um, I'm not necessarily that good, <laughs> but I am as good as the grace is on me. I'll say it yeah. that way. Amen. Amen. We'll take that. Now, uh, along with that, uh, you have so many talents, so many, because uh, just for our audience, I did research on Brother Cotman and just was uh, Googling everything and looking at the, all the websites. And you have so many talents. I even got to hear the incredible testimony of your father, you know, when, you oh, know wow. with the gun and everything, shooting up in the tree. Amen. <laughs> and, did, did, uh, did, you, did you enjoy that testimony? I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. He kept it all the way real. Amen. <laughs> and, uh, and you have so many talents, though. My question is what, uh, and you mentioned discovering that you're creative. Uh, if 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 there was a primary task that you would want people to think about you, or if there was like a primary brand that you would want people to think about you, what do you feel that God has put you on here uh, on this earth to do? Um, so as you were asking the question, well, let me go back. So the thing that I'm known for is singing, right? Right. But what I've discovered, um, uh, being at Faith and Family Church and being the worship leader for a number of years, I'm no longer that. I'm still a member there, but I'm no longer in that role. But what I discovered being there, um, and, and I pray that pastors who may be listening to this, that you hear me, that you hear my heart, and that you release people. But I was free to be a creative. Mm. And so what I discovered about myself, Pastor Speaks, is... I get more fulfillment out of being a producer. Mm-hmm. I thought I enjoyed singing. I thought I wanted to sing for a living. What I've discovered is I enjoy the process of singing. Mm-hmm. I've written songs. I've recorded songs. I get more pleasure out of sitting back and watching my creation. If I write a play, it's not really the story. It's me directing that play and actors getting it and delivering it with my intent. And I can sit back and watch that show a zillion times as if I'm watching for the very first time. And I recognize that about myself, that I am a creator. I am, it's the Elohim in me that I connect with. I get more pleasure out of that than anything that I'll do. Talking, emceeing writing. I enjoy it all. And I started writing because it was therapeutic. But what I enjoy about my writing is I have a book called Real Authentic Worship. Um, I'm writing a book right now called Faith for Free. Mm. I enjoy writing it, but what I enjoy about it is what people get out of it. Mm. Isn't that just like God? Yeah, because he created all of this for his enjoyment, for his own, I was, you know, I haven't processed this, but for his own fulfillment, uh, as if God needs to be fulfilled, um, he created us for a purpose. 
right? So I believe that he does get joy out of us, seeing Amen. us operating, being, and who he designed us to be. Um, the creator loves his creation. And so I, I identify with that Elohim in me. Amen. Amen. Now, you have a great talk show called Let's Talk Faith. Uh, my question is, how did, the, how, did, how did God spark that in you and what made you start that talk show? Um, I started it back in May of 2020, actually in the middle of the pandemic or the beginning of the pandemic. And um, I debated with it for a while. Um, I stepped away from my position as minister of music. But what I recognize about myself is I am and will always be a believer uh, in the, of the word of God, a believer of God, um, maybe not in everyone's traditional sense. So the word is in me and it has to come out of me. October 18th, 1991. Am I saying that? 1990, sorry. October 18th, 1990, the Lord told me I was called to be an apostle, uh, an evangelist and a pastor. And I was like, okay, I received that, but what do I do with it? Because I don't want to be what I see pastors. I don't want to be behind the holy desk every week. I don't believe God has called me to that, but I know that he's called me to be that pastor. And what does that look like? And so um, I'm allowing all of that to kind of uh, guide me in this moment. And so the Let's Talk Faith show is that. I stepped away from my role. I'm no longer talking and ministering to other people on a regular basis, but it's in me. It has to come out. And so in a virtual world at the time where, where, everyone, yep, where everyone was um, going virtual, I was like, well, let me share what God is giving me. And so every week now is what we, that's what we do. We share every week and I share it about faith. And it is um, a show about my journey of faith that I'm learning how to master my faith. I'm 53 years old. And in 2019, I began a journey of faith. I've been saved since I was eight years old, and I started a journey of faith at 53. It sounds Amen. crazy, but Amen. I promise you there are so many people who are sitting in churches and uh, they're atheists. They're non-believers because they mm. don't believe the word. They don't believe that God's able to do and heal and deliver and set them free and fix situations in their lives and even in their hearts, in their minds. The Bible says, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I want to please him. I should be able at 52, having been saved since age eight, to master faith. And I realize that's not my testimony. And I feel embarrassed to say it, but I, I also know. I'm not by myself. <laughs> so that's Amen. why I started. That's the reason I started that that Facebook page is because of that my journey of faith. Amen. I want to shift some. I'm going to ask you a controversial question here that I didn't even. It's not even on my script, but you are such a sincere brother uh, that you know. And if you don't like this question, I'll edit it out. Um, <laughs> sure. As a non-musical pastor, someone who's not gifted with the gift. Um, I will admit something. My church has, my church, my church uh, maturity uh, of the church where I pastor has been a little held up from this standpoint. Uh, you know you need music to accompany the word. You see what I'm saying? The word, the music softens the heart. 
the word hits the mind. And if, and if, and if you don't soften the heart before the word hits the mind, and, and, and we have held back for this reason is, you know, I've had friends who are gifted with instruments or gift. And man, I, I have one buddy in particular. That, uh, and I've never, I've never, conf- he might hear this and be like, oh, Tony's talking about me. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, he's like a hired gunslinger, you know what I'm saying? Where he'll, he'll go and take his musical instrument and he'll play for anybody as long as they pay him. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he'll go like, it's like, it's like, he, it seems like there's no theological connection t- to what's being taught there. He'll just go, he'll just, play for pay and uh, I know that I could have hired a gunslinger a long time ago you know and you know but I didn't want to bring someone in who was there I wanted to bless whoever because I, I respect the gifts you see what I'm saying I respect the time and the craftsmanship and the and the energy I respect it but at the same time I just didn't want to bring someone in who was there just to, you know, check. collect a check. And uh, for someone who's so talented yourself, and, and I totally understand the other side. I always try to step, because I'm the non-musical guy. Right. But right, I try right. to step into the, I try to be an empath sure. and step into the soul, you know, step into the position of other people. And I see other, you know, I can, I can understand if someone has a gift and they've worked on this gift and they've hammered on this gift and they've, worked on their craft and then there's people who want them to to play and then they don't give them any kind of blessing they don't they just they just take advantage of them you know i get that as well but i don't know sometimes i struggle because i i look at some of my the people who are in the musical world and i'm like do you realize the power you have and who you are in you know sometimes you are empowering certain ministries and it's like it's almost like you don't care about the theological side you see what i'm saying right and uh i know that's a tough question but but as a spiritual man because mm-hmm. I, the reason why I, I normally would just to be honest with you i wouldn't even ask most musical folks that because it makes most musical people mad at me all right so, so <laughs> but you seem like a very spiritual brother as well as being musically gifted and that's why i'm asking you that question has has that ever bothered you when you see this uh, gunslinger type mentality in the in our church system? Or what are your perspective on what 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 I've mentioned? Right. So honestly, like that's it's such a great topic, and, and maybe even worth having a whole show about it um, and getting a panel together. So I'll say this first. Um, I feel like I need to write something down. Um, uh, <laughs> And then the hireling. So I want to talk about the hireling first, right? So I believe this. Um, since I was a kid, like with my parents, I remember at the age of seven or eight, I told the Lord, I want to sing. And if he blesses my voice, I will only sing for him. Mm-hmm. At the age of eight years old. Mm-hmm. And I watched God bless my voice over the years. I mean, right. incredible things. My my whole family sings. Nobody sings like me in my family, right? Wow. I know that it's from God. Wow. But I also have been taken advantage of. 
Mm. Yeah, because what, what people want, and generally what people see on me is the anointing. Amen. They see the gifts in operation. What they're experiencing or rather encountering is the anointing Amen. that is on me because I know this is a gift that I developed. I would sing every single day. I, and, and actually, if you hung out with me for any period of time, you're going to hear me hum something, right? <laughs> it's not something that just happened. It is God on me. Wow. And I realize that. But because of that, um, and I hope pastors don't get offended by what I'm getting ready to say, but in many churches, they take advantage of the singers, those who are leading worship. And, and for those who have a heart to want to do it and may not be anointed, there is another level there that needs to happen. And that was the other piece that I wanted to talk about. And that is the sound. If you think, and not you, but if people think that worship is about music, they've missed it already. It is totally about sound. And you look, um, uh, man, it's such a good one. So here's the thing. I went to a conference three years ago, May of 2018, called the International Christian Film Festival. I want to get into film writing. And so it was a total, total Christian film festival. And they had a speaker, uh, Thomas Dawson. I'm not sure where he's out of, but he got up and he began to talk about sound and how he was playing keys. And someone walked up to him and said, you have the gift of healing when you play. And he's like, I've never heard of anything like that. And so um, he went on to another church and he's playing again. And a lady walks up to him, a different lady. And she said, I was healed when you were playing. Do you know you have a gift to heal when you play? And he was like, I really don't. I'm not familiar with that. And she was like, she encouraged him to look into it and to research it. Well, he began to research it and he began to understand and discover the power of sound. So I say all of that to say there is an unknown and untapped potential for the church in sound. If we understood what worship really does, I'm getting ready to preach, but if we understood what worship really does, the sound that, that it creates, the atmosphere that it creates, yeah, like, if someone started, if you said, we get ready to go into battle, and everyone starts to yell, right, you understand it, why? Because that's the sound of a battle cry. Yeah, so I'm sitting in this, I'm sitting in this workshop with this man, and he's talking all these things about sound and frequency and hertz, and everything I knew that I had heard in church, I was to run from this conversation. And as I sat in there, I was, I'm telling you, bro, I was so like agitated, like I need to get up and walk out because I don't want this stuff to enter my spirit. And it was so God. And if we aren't careful, we miss God in the word. We miss God in life because we, the things that we've been taught, they are error. It's wrong information that we received from people for years thinking it's some Eastern religion or some philosophy or some new age something. I'm telling you, it is all in the word of God. And so um, the Lord begins to remind me, I used sound in scripture. That's right. And, and, and he talked about, he, he spoke to me, the walls of Jericho. They walked around the wall and then they made a shout 
that shout was a sound and the wall fell flat. I mean, where does walls fall flat? The Bible says on the day of Pentecost, there was a sound from heaven as of a Russian mighty wind. And it filled the house. There was sound again that came. It was a deliverance that came, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but it came as a result of a sound. Its, its entrance into the earth was a sound, you know, right. the voice of many waters. But God began to show me instance after instance where he used sound to, to cause something to happen. And then the Lord said, what do you think you're doing when you lead worship? Now, I'm sitting in the conference hearing this man say all this, and the Lord is speaking to me. What do you think is happening when you lead worship? You are singing. It's a sound. And that sound produces a result. Well, the, well, now we need to understand what frequencies and hertz do. Yeah, and so that's all connected to worship, to music that we hear. Um, and here's the reality. Can you pay for that? <laughs> no, man. <laughs> as, as I began to study it, um, and I've, I've done a lot of study on it, but they were, this, there was a man in like 100 years ago he had developed uh, a, a, vibration, a vibration machine or a frequency machine that was actually able to kill cancer cells. Mm. And um, someone stole this technology and it never came to the market. Wow. But that meant cancer would have been eradicated because of sound and frequency and hertz. All of that to say, we cannot ignore the power of worship in the church and the sound of a worshiper. And um, that's what the word of the Lord is. When the preacher gets up to preach and share the word and declare, there are certain cadences when he's, you know, and, you know I don't necessarily uh, co-sign the, ah, and, uh, ah, but I believe when you, when you hear um, Martin Luther King, um, there was something uh, on the mountaintop. There's something there that brings joy and freedom and liberation, and we cannot ignore that. It is probably the most uh, powerful, untapped resource in the body of Christ today, and we still don't know about it. That's well, my two cents. <laughs> oh, brother, that was, that was some good stuff, man. That, that's some good stuff. Woo, you, you got me rocking in my chair, amen? Now, uh, now I'll say this, though. Um, I want to find out if you could connect me when we're done. I want to find out about that seminar because I, I, the Lord's been having me researching some things because I've actually had to, I've had to pause some of my teaching because I used to teach okay. that I was only worried about the lyrics of a song. And then I have been doing a little bit. It's amazing that you connected me with this because uh, I have been doing some studies and then uh, ironically of all people, Kanye West recently did an interview and he said something that uh, where he said that the, the 808 beat has a certain like a certain frequency to it and a, and a vibration to it that leads people to, to do wrong, you know, to do to do to do to do evil, you know. Right. And, uh, and as you're talking there, if there's music that can heal. Come on. Perhaps there's also music that can hurt. You see what I'm saying? And uh, and if there is music that is that can hurt as a pastor, I need to get wiser on that. You know, I, I need to be wise, even though I'm not a musically inclined person. Like, like, I'll be honest with you. 
because of your years of training, you got to understand when, when a song comes on, you hear things that I can't hear. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, like I'm just, you got to understand, I, I can barely find the beat. You see what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so, so that, if you ever want to know, I got some dope lyrics, but one of the reasons I ain't never become a rapper is, uh, the, you know, I did, I did not have that, that, that musical ability. So I share that with you because I, I want to, I want to learn more about that seminar. And then also I want to be, you know, cause uh, I even talked, I, I led a minister's group and, you know, there's some, there are some groups of ministers out there who believe that because of that, we need to possibly limit the, 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 uh, the tools that we use, the musical tools that we use to those that were prescribed in the Bible, you know, and, you know, that might be going too far, but I can't say whether it is or not, because I've got to study a little deeper and go a little farther. And uh, I want to learn more, you know, I want to learn more about that. Cause one thing I know I can't deny is the power of music, the power uh, of, of its ability to touch the heart uh, to, to heart to touch the heart of man it's, yeah. it's it's so profound brother it is so profound go ahead brother i was in a conference back in 2015 with israel houghton and the deeper conference uh new breed and um i remember that friday night we started worshiping at um pastor carl Lentz ministered the word and it was powerful um, and then he said we're just going to worship and at 9.30 p.m., we started worshiping. We didn't end until 12.45 a.m. Mm. Uh, that Saturday morning. Amen. Now, it was so intense. Like, I knew God was there, and I knew something was happening, but I could not confirm it. Amen. But it was, when I tell you, it was like thick, like you could almost touch it. Like, where else do we go? And we just stayed in this vein, like, powerful vein for for hours the next day a gentleman says i haven't been able to hear out of my left ear for 10 years when i was 16 i went deaf in that ear but last night while i was worshiping god healed me wow automatically one girl said i require um an inhaler because my asthma is so bad i can't go anywhere without it but last night while we were worshiping, God healed me. <laughs> and so there was testimony after testimony of God performing miracles. No one's laying hands, but God is performing miracles. In the, and I was like, that's my confirmation. Amen. I, I could, what I sensed, he was there, but it was because of the sound and the atmosphere that was created out of worship. I will also say this, just to, just to uh, tease, tease you um, psychologically a little bit more, Hitler actually used frequency um, in, in the concentration camps. Music that was played, uh, even throughout all of Germany, it was a 440 hertz. All music was um, set at 440 hertz or, yeah. And so it was tuned, not set, but tuned at 440 hertz which is a frequency of mind control. Mm. So yeah, there is power in it. And, and I would say this, before we stop doing anything, as you said, we have to understand what is actually there. Sure. And not take out what could potentially help us, Amen. but rather seek to understand, seek to excel in that, that knowledge there so that we can be effective 
Christians and people, you know, ministering healing. And imagine if, if, if we knew what to do on a Sunday morning, what sound to play to get rid of cancer. Imagine who would be at your church on Sunday morning. Amen. MS, Amen. De uh, depression, suicide. Imagine if we could fine tune and begin to play music and songs that would heal people. Imagine who would be in your facility, right? In every facility. And what I recognize is most pastors are more interested in their sermon than they are the presence of God. And that is uh, a shame. <laughs> amen. amen, amen, amen. And, uh, you know, and, and just to co you know, piggyback on what you, you know, I played a, I played a, a movie for my daughters and the movie had a, a scary soundtrack and, and, you know, they're, they're literally running out of the room, even though there's nothing really happening on, there's nothing scary happening on the movie, but nothing happened, but it was the sound that had them literally run. And then, you know, so I played the same thing, I, you know, with the sound down, it's nothing, you know, th that just speaks to the power of sound. Amen. Now, shifting gears, my brother, as a creative, what book outside of the Bible uh, has had the greatest impact upon your life? Has there, has there been a particular book that really just that really just hit you as a creative or is there a particular book that kind of took your mind into a new space? Uh, is there a book that you could that you could recommend for any creatives that are listening today? So um, it's a book that I have not picked up in a long time. I actually have it uh, in a box in my house right now, um, but it's by Max Lucado and it's called In the Eye of the Storm. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. Oh, yes. Yes. But it's an incredible book, and it talks about a day in the life of Christ, mm -hmm. where his his cousin dies, he's feeding the multitude, the disciples want to get away, and he wants to really just get alone with God and, and deal with his, that John the Baptist was beheaded. Like, he, he didn't just die of natural causes or some sickness, he died because he was murdered, right? Jesus is dealing with it. And he talks about the humanity of Christ. And so we can identify uh, with the, the uh, adversities that are in our life. And I say that because my motto, I, and I don't know if it's motto or, or mantra, uh, is God ordains adversity. Mm. And here's the thing, as a creative, um, and I talk about it in my book, Real Authentic Worship, um, it's a, it's a whole section devoted to the Lucifer syndrome mm -hmm. and um, how he was caught up in the light. And one of the things that the Lord showed me is that Lucifer was made of all these jewels, right? And I began to understand studying like jewels and stones. And it talks about the clarity and the infractions in a stone. And this blessed me so much. <laughs> this is my book. So that's real authentic worship. But it stems from the darkness that lies within me as a creative. And what I realize is that all creatives have an area of darkness on the inside of us that fuels, it fuels that passion for the creative. Wow. And we have to, and I say acknowledge it, like accept it. This is who I am because of what God wants to do through me. It is not for me, it is through me. Wow. And so um, 
understanding that God ordains adversity allows me to accept uh, what I may deal with so that I can move into whatever God wants me to do. But in the stones, there is a dark place. They call it an infraction. And when light hits it, it cannot penetrate it. It remains dark. <laughs> yeah, the whole study was really interesting. Um, light cannot penetrate it. And mm -hmm. so that darkness exists. And so what I realized, again, as, as a creative, there's a, a level of darkness in me, but it fuels, you know, like I talked to, I said earlier, I write, but initially I started writing because it was therapeutic. Wow. Well, and I found myself writing and crying and writing and crying and writing and crying. And one day I'd finished the book, right? Or I finished the book that was unreleased. And um, I didn't really, well, I take that back. I released it for my own self. Nobody even knows the book even exists. And I keep saying I'm going to pull it off of the market because I really don't want anybody to read that book. I did it as a release for myself. Wow. Right. So, um, yeah, that's the book. The, um, the Eye of the Storm by Max Lucado. And my mantra is God ordains adversity. That uh, you're not in it by yourself. You're not going through what you're going through by yourself. You're not the only person to go through it. As a matter of fact, there are other people who are dealing with things that are worse off than yours. But it is for the glory of God. The Bible talks about it in Romans 9, that he made vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. But both vessels are for the glory of God. That's right. Yeah, so I'm powerful, brother. I consider myself a creative as well. And as you were speaking, I saw really two things, two separate things. As you were speaking, uh, it reminded me of a lot of my creativity when it comes to writing and other things came out of the darkness. It came out of uh, church hurt. It came out of rejection. It came out of being beaten. It came out of a broken family. It came out of all of those, though all of those dark. You know, it didn't come out of. It didn't come out of initially the, <laughs> the stuff and the light and everything that is beautiful and wonderful in, in life. I wish that I could write on those things as well, and I, I guess I have a, every now and then. But the 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 deepness of my writing came from that dark place in the emerald, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and likewise, when you were also speaking, something else came to mind is uh, I listened to, there's a show, it's a secular show that I listened to just to kind of be abreast of, as a 48 year old man, to be abreast of what's happening on the streets. And, uh, you know, I, I watched the breakfast club and, uh, you know, a lot of times the rappers are always, or don't, you know, they always, they, they always have the, the blame, you know, along with that. And then you start talking about Lucifer. It kind of made me uh, think about that as well. You know, uh, mm -hmm. that that's a, a commonality that we see with a lot of performers. Even even you go back to Liberace, you know, you, 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 you see, you see that as well. <laughs> you see it, right. It is all over the place. It's what people, why people are enamored with Hollywood. That's right. You want to be like stars, 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 stars. It sounds familiar. That's you know, right. People want to be lifted, right? right? But it is to be lifted with proper understanding of God wants to use this. I'll, I'll share this testimony. Um, I shared this recently with someone about 12 years ago. I was leading the choir and I had been depressed. It was the month of July, uh, like 2007, 2008. I was depressed for the entire month. I don't know why, because I don't deal with depression. Um, and so I, I went to a rehearsal 
and uh, that Tuesday night, and I was still depressed. And I was like, man, what am I, I don't understand this cloud that's over me. So I, I asked the choir. I don't, I don't even know what made me ask the choir. I said, is there anybody in here dealing with depression? And it was probably about 13 to 15 people in the room. Seven people raised their hands immediately. Wow. They're dealing with depression. And the Lord said to me in that very split second, that's why you were depressed. Because if you weren't depressed, you would never answer, ask this question. And they would mm -hmm. never get the prayer and the deliverance that they needed. So Amen. That's what I mean by the darkness existed so that it would prompt me for the next move so that God could get the glory. Amen. And so we cannot negate that. What you're going through. Um, and, and, and I say that as a creative, but really that's for all of us. We're all Elohim. We're all creative. We are created in the image and the likeness of God. So it's the Elohim, the creator is on the inside of us, right? And so we have those issues, those things that we deal with, but you cannot think it's about you. No, it's about the people who really want the fish and the loaves of bread that Jesus was given. They weren't interested in him. They wanted the fish. They wanted what was coming from him. And so often um, we're able to give people fish and bread. Amen. Because of what's on the inside of us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Powerful, powerful, brother. Now, uh, when I used to do uh, spoken word poetry, I used to have a lot of anxiety about line memorization. Amen. Now, as a person who sings and also who is a, a profound spoken word artist, what method have you used to memorize songs and poems? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is in your time zone. At least on my time, it's it's after church, and I don't know about you, sometimes after church, I'm just lacking energy. Courtney. Can you get me, can you get me a, uh, one of them vitamins that your mama takes? There you go, daddy. Mm. Let me try one of these. Tastes pretty good. My God, my God, Q! What do you have in there? It's made with vitamins B9 and B12? It's, it's great for my overall health. It's made with pectin, a unique fiber in fruit peels. It's simple and delicious. Kim, did you know that more people search apple cider vinegar in the U.S. than tea? Google has 15,000 people searching that word every day in the U.S. alone. Kim, how can more people get this gummy? If you want to support the podcast, or if you're looking to improve your health, you can order these gummies at https forward slash forward slash go.goalie.com forward slash becoming discipline don't forget to use our promo code becoming discipline repetition <laughs> amen, amen. repetition uh one day I was, uh, when I first moved into this house, um, it, was, it wasn't it was home, it was a house. And so I, I would walk around memorizing lines to poetry that I was recording in the dark. And one day I just decided, you know, in a break, you know, giving my voice a rest, I looked out the back window 
And um, my neighbor um, who lives behind me was literally standing in the alley on the gate, like the gate had swung open into the alley, and he was perched on the on the um, on the gate, listening to me because I'm loud. I'm, you know, this is my house. Like like people can't hear outside of this, so I'm in, in here going, you know, uh, this poem is soaring, you know, and people hear me. And sometimes I come in and I sing. I'm like, this man is listening to me. So it's repetition, man. Definitely rep repetition. And I use my own little hand signals when I'm very, when I'm not quite sure. Uh -huh. I create little themes that remind me of what I'm, I need to remember. Um, if it's second verse, if it's two or four, four, for your glory, then I'll do for your glory. You know? Oh, that's good. That's good. I, I do those kinds of things, and I teach people when I'm, you know, directing um, uh, productions, actors, you know, create those movements in rehearsal so that at least you'll remember it, and until it's second nature and it comes out automatically. Oh, so um, that's what I do. Yeah. Oh, that's why we asked the question. You gave us some good <laughs> hints there. Yeah. Now, I, in preparation for this interview, I, I, I got to hear you preach as well. You're also a very, very salty and. You share the word with a lot of power. Now, have you been to seminary or was that was just being taught by, by the pastor mm. or where'd you get all that saltiness from? Because I, I you know, I, 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 now let me just be honest with you. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've listened to a lot of musical folks, you know, and, and sometimes, the, you know, you know, like the, the theology can be real, can be paper thin and you, you're on another level though. You're, you're you know, you, you, you are very profound in your studies and, profound in, in, in the word, uh, I was just wondering, was that, uh, did you go to a particular school for that or was right. the, you learn from your pastor? Where'd you, where'd you get all of that knowledge from all that salt and light? Wow. You know, that's, uh, I appreciate it, man, but it just comes from spending time with God. You know, um, everything that I've ever done in life has never been taught. You know, I didn't go to college. Um, I barely graduated high school hated school. I was the flagship enterprise, Fs, all the way down the column. And I, I, it was because of something the teacher said to me uh, years ago um, that made me feel like I could not learn. And um, what I realized is when I study, I, I learn. I not only learn, but I excel. So I knew that was a lie, but it still gave me a complex. And so for a long time, I would not voice an opinion. Uh, I had an opinion, but I had nothing to back it up with. And so um, as I grew you know, older, matured in life as a person, I searched things out. I probably overanalyzed everything that I do. And I think that's where um, a lot of the detail comes from. Because um, I really could be still talking about the sound right now because sound totally, uh, oh, it got me. Yeah. It, and there's so many things that sound can do, but I've researched it. And um, I want to empower people, and you empower people with information. And that's what I, I try to provide people, information. So when they walk away, it's not just the word, or I pray that it's not just the word, but it's something that they can apply to their lives. Um, be it, you know, yeah, I can pray for you, but I'd rather show you how to have a relationship with God and develop one so that you can pray and get the answers that you need, because I may not always be available, or I may not care as much about that thing that you want me to pray for as you do. You, you might spend the next five days praying for it. I might spend five minutes. 
And one is going to garner a little more attention. So I'd rather empower you to teach you. And so that's kind of where it comes from. Um, and because of that complex, that complex, that darkness, it fuels, you know, my passion for information. And I'm still learning. Please know I'm still learning um, how to do all of that. So, Amen. yeah. Now, I'm switching around a little bit. Um, I noticed a problem. And I will say this. This is a problem for me as a pastor as well. Um, there are a lot of church folk who I think they damage Christian creativity with religious and traditional boxes that they put us in. And, and what I, and so let me give you an example of what I mean. Um, I had a friend, you know, had multiple friends that went to Liberty and, you know, Liberty uh, would not allow them to go to a rated R movie, you know? Uh, and for me, uh, there's a difference between a rated R movie. Uh, so so let me, let me call out two movies so that people are familiar with what I'm talking about. Uh, Holly Berry was in a great movie just now on Netflix. It's a brand new movie that they released called Bruised. But they deliberately put in sex scenes that I felt were unnecessary to the plot. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Where they... They deliberately put that in there for the likes or for the people who have sexual problems or whatever else, and or to you know to lure other people into sexual problems. And you know, my wife and I just fast forward through those scenes, and we still were able to enjoy the movie as a whole, right? Um, but that kind of movie, I see why you know religious leaders would say, "Hey, we don't want you going to that movie," blah blah blah, because when you have unnecessary sinful stuff in it, 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 you know, you have to question, okay, why are we going to go see it? Why are we involved in it? Whatever. But let me give you another rated R movie. There's a rated R movie called Saving Private Ryan, where the bloodshed that was in the movie Saving Private Ryan was, is what really happened. It's the, the truth of what happened. And I've been in the military and in the military, that's how those words, that language is how military people speak, right. you know, uh, with, with very few exceptions. Even a lot of Christian folks, once the bullets start flying, th th they say things that they would not say in church. OK. Right. Um, and and for me as a Christian man. As a creative, I could write something like Saving Private Ryan, and I don't believe God would have a problem with me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why a lot of Christian movies out there and a lot of Christian stuff out there is not the best quality is we're caught in these traditional boxes where we're scared grandma or pastor or whoever is going to talk about us. Because, and literally, I'm just being honest with you, as a pastor, when I'm writing, I know that that character would use that curse word. But then as a pastor, I know that if I write something and put it out, there's going to be certain people who are going to be like, mm, Pastor Tony, Pastor Tony, what, what, what is this that you have up in mm, Pastor Tony? That's not what, mm, that right. didn't get you, Pastor Tony. What, what is all this up in here? You know? So my question to you is, I just wanted to get as a creative, because first of all, as I interview people on Becoming Discipline, I don't get to speak to a lot of creatives. Uh, so uh, as a creative, and I'm a creative, so I just wanted to flush that out with you. I want to hear your thoughts on that. 
and how can we make things better? And or if you disagree with me, I'm, that's you know we can have a a, a a Christian brotherly conversation about that. Sure. Well, you know, I for a long time I would not look at. Um, I I saw a couple of Christian productions, and I was so disappointed. Like it's so not real. Right. I could not identify with it, and right. so I stopped watching them. Like I wouldn't watch them because to me, um, the best word I could come up with is they're corny. Right, right. Just cornball, hairball, <laughs> like just corny. Like it, it doesn't resonate. And what people need is something that resonates. That's my issue. And let me see you walk out of that. How do you handle it? What are your thoughts? What are your perspectives about this situation? And there are various scenarios that can be created around it, but ignoring it is not an option in life. Right. You have to deal with some things. And so no, I, I agree. I, I've written a couple of shows and I'm mindful not to add curse words. But um, I had a, you know, I have a play where um, this, it looks as if this man, this married man was coming on to a single friend of his wife in, in the play. And right. so it gets exposed, whatever. And the guy was like, you know, I've been working on this thing anyway. So you want a divorce? Fine. And he curses, you know, one word, you know. Right. Right. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take that. And whatever people say is whatever they say. And people had something to say. And they were Christian. Right. Like, that's real language. And what I've discovered, Pastor Joni, is a lot of Christians curse. Amen. Amen. If, if we could just be honest, I heard a, a preacher say, you know, Christians, um, they were, well, the, the scenario was this. Do you go to a club? And the person was like, no. And they said, you know why? Because Christians don't go to the club. Do you smoke cigarettes? The person was like, no. And the, person, the pastor said, you know why? Because Christians don't smoke cigarettes. And I'm like, I know Christians that do all of those things. Amen. And we, Amen. Have, to, we have to recognize what the church really looks like, that the church is not perfect. God makes us perfect, but the church is not perfect. And I think the stories, the narratives that we share and tell and show, uh, produce, should be the same so that people can see themselves. I think it's really important. Um, Christians um, have extramarital affairs. It doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. They are flawed individuals that need God, period. You know, so... Um, Look, I say we should we should show those things. You know, uh, someone came to me after that show. I was telling you about bloodstained couch where the man rapes the man, and it's actually sung to. I created songs around the entire rape. Wow! You didn't see. I mean, no man kissed another man. Nothing of that nature. Right. But someone told me your play was X-rated, and I'm like, really? Like. Didn't say anything. They were like, because you talk about the subject, it's X-rated, and I'm like, okay. But I also had confirmation from a gentleman who said, "Thank you," because right. that's my story. That's right. That's the confirmation. Will and look, we have to ignore um, um, the the I forgot what they call the the um, <laughs> the peanut gallery. We we have to ignore them in the corner because they're always going to have something to say, but they are refusing to acknowledge reality and that people have real issues that need to be dealt with. And so, look, I say to every creative, write the story 
that God gives you. Yeah, it probably can be tapered. Like we don't want to necessarily put everything out there. Um, make sure it, it has a connection. But yeah, tell the stories, real stories, um, fictional, non-fictional. So tell it all Amen. so that people can see themselves and um, hopefully get deliverance. My desire is, you know, in the in the coming year to start a ministry. And and um, as I said, I know I'm not called to the tradition to the traditional idea of what it means to be a pastor and what it looks like. Um, but I do believe in messaging. And if That's anything, right. the songs that I write and record, the plays that I produce, and even the sketches that I've written all have Christian messaging somewhere in there. You're going to find God somewhere in the process. And so I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to keep doing all those things, man, for the glory of God. And Amen. the reality is there are people, billionaires, in Hollywood talking about and producing uh, uh, screenplays and you'll never know that they're Christians. Mm. But they're doing it for the glory of God. But Amen. we think that they're secular. No, it's all for God's glory. So, look, right Amen. Amen. Get in. Amen. Praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord. Now, at Becoming Discipline, we examine discipline or organization in the following areas. Spirit and, and don't and don't worry, brother. I always have to repeat this a couple times to all my guests. Amen. <laughs> so we look at spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional intelligence, financial discipline, time management, and home and data organization. Now I'm going to read these off again, but as I read them off again, I ask you to think about what's your strong point, what's an area that needs some work, and if there's an area that needs some work, what's the plan in uh, 2022 to work on that area. Amen. So I'm going to read it off again. Spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional intelligence, financial discipline, time management, and home and data organization. What's the strong point? What's the weak point? And what's the plan? Strong point is spirituality. Uh, definitely. Um, it's who I've been shaped to be. Um, my life has been spent in the church. Um, I am a church boy. Um, and a friend of mine told me recently, like, a lot of people live outside the box, Raymond. Why don't you live outside the box? Like, you should live outside the box. And I'm like, um, because I love God. And until I understand otherwise, that's kind of where I am is what I do. Not that my life is in a box or that I, you know, I see in a box. I actually live outside of the box. But in regards to um, choices, decisions, um, life itself is really my spirituality because I, I was just groomed uh, in the church. And um, I would say, if anything, it was the plan of God for my life. Um, I was the person who at 15, 13, 14, 15, I spent Sunday evenings at the altar before God. Uh, I didn't see my parents doing that. Not that they don't. I, you know, They definitely were people of prayer. Um, but I didn't see the deacons. I didn't see the pastor. I didn't see anyone, you know, between services. You know, I grew up where we had Sunday Sunday school. Then we had Sunday morning service. And then we had a break and had a four o'clock service and evangelistic service. Well, between the break, uh, 1.30 and the four o'clock service, I would spend the time on the altar. I would get a little bite to eat, but I would go back to the church and get on my face and see God. So I know that my strong suit is spirituality. Am I the best at it? I, I don't know, but I know that's my strong suit. In, in terms of um, the weaker area, um, 
I would probably say, um, I don't know, and I'm actually I'm looking at the list, believe it or not, and uh, it's so hard. I would probably say emotional um, intelligence. I'm a person I think I'm, I am emotional, um, but sometimes I don't always have control of my emotions. I don't, I don't necessarily fall, you know, go off the handle. I want to. Um, and because I know that I have a major capacity in that area to really just go haywire mad and get really crazy and get really hyped and potentially find myself in a hospital, dead, grave, jail. <laughs> I've learned to restrain that part of myself um, until God's able to deal with it. And I have seen God move in my life. I, um, I've had, you know, I was telling my parents uh, over the weekend, there was somebody I really wanted to, transparent moment, spoiler alert, I wanted to kill someone. I, I physically wanted to, like, not injure them. I wanted them to die. Amen. And I, I could see myself doing it. And, um, and I knew it was wrong. I knew this wasn't a good place to be. And I knew it wasn't a godly place to be. And so... I told the Lord, God, I hate them. I admit that to you. I hate this person, but I want to love them. Father, show me how to love them. See, that's the spiritual side because I reckon that's the strength, you know, right. that right. weakness. Um, I use my strength to help me through that weakness. And I watch God turn my heart mm. from, from the hate to being okay, to being friendly, to having conversation, to loving. And uh, it was it was incredible. And that was the other. What was the other place uh, you said? The weakness, the strength, and the oh, the plan. Uh, but but with emotional, it's a little hard to have a plan on emotional emotional intelligence. Uh, a plan to make it better. That's that's a little challenging to, uh, to, to for that area. But yeah, any thoughts? But you know what? Keep growing. Keep talking. Amen. Keep having the conversations. Amen. And and honestly, see the word. You know, because the reality is. Everything that we need is you can find it in the word. And I know it sounds like a cliche. No, no. My brother, where can people find your plays? Where can people find your where where can they contact you in order to come out for you know for you know for your for your musical events and where can people connect with your art? Um, you know, I, I feel really bad about this as a creative because I am a creative and most creatives are really focused on creating. <laughs> and so a lot of times I'm just focused on creating. Um, but I am on Facebook under Raymond Cotman. Um, the ministry page, Let's Talk Faith, is, is there. And my desire is in the upcoming year that you'll see more work um, on social media that we'll be able to put more content out. Um, I have not done a play since 2017. Um, well, I take that back. I did something last year and we put it on Facebook, a uh, play called We Broke. Mm. Street, term, street vernacular, but we're broken is really the proper, but I called it We Broke. Um, mm. But it's about relationship and a marriage that's been newlyweds and whatever. Anyway, um, Honestly, just finding me, connecting with me. Um, I'm in the process of uh, writing, editing a book called Faith for Free, powerful book, and I definitely would love to share the information with you, with your audience at some point in the future. Um, 
And I can come anywhere, you know, even if you're in across the water or across the country. Amen. Send me a plane ticket, we'll come. <laughs> um, and, and I love being able to do all of those things. And here's the deal. If you're an actor or a singer, like I'm definitely looking for those. And so, Pastor, you're still on my radar. Um, I'm looking to get into some short films uh, just to get my feet wet. But my desire really is to... Um, write and produce a screenplay. That's one of my um, desires and goals. And if you're a person, see, I have to put this out there as well, but if you're a person that you believe in the arts and you're looking for Christian content to promote and to sponsor and, and financially back, look, reach out to your boy because, you know, I'm the creative, but um, can definitely use help in, in the area of resources be it physical resources and be it financial resources. So, Brother Kaufman, you also, I believe, I saw on, on as I was researching for this interview, I saw that you also sell insurance. Uh, you know, where do you sell insurance and what type of insurance do you sell? So, I am a life insurance agent. I am uh, licensed to sell health. I, I specifically sell uh, some medical and predominantly life insurance. Um, and I love it. I love protecting families. Like it, it definitely helps in terms of paying the bills. What I enjoy about it more, again, it goes back to the ministry piece, is I enjoy empowering people to understand what life insurance is and what it can do for them. Uh, I do sell term life insurance, uh, which is, um, I don't want to say cheap, but for the lack of a better word, they're inexpensive and you can get a lot, you know. You see the commercials that say, you know, Sally just purchased a $500,000 policy for $19 a month. Like, it's really inexpensive for a term policy, but it ends at some point in the future. Um, and I also sell permanent policies where they last for your entire life. I believe everybody needs a life insurance policy for their entire life. You may not need a $500,000 policy at, at age 80 if you don't have a lot, but um, you can definitely get that coverage while you're young. Understanding what it does and how it works is really important. One of the things that I've learned coming back into the industry is that life insurance is no longer just death protection. You can actually protect your life now with life insurance, with a, a, a benefit called living benefit. So if you're critically, chronically, or even terminally ill, you can actually get the money now. And you might survive that sickness or illness, right? The money is still yours. Mm. And that's a huge benefit when, you know, for people who are dealing with cancer um, and they there is a surgery that they can, you know, have performed that their insurance may not cover and it may cost thousands of dollars. And let's say you have a $200,000 life insurance policy with a living benefit. If you're diagnosed with a terminal cancer or a form of cancer, some companies pay you a 90%, even as much as 100% of the death benefit. So you get that money, you go to Cancer Research Centers of America, have your surgery paid for, can recover with the bills paid, and make a full recovery all because of your life insurance policy. Like, that's a huge benefit, and everybody needs it. And I'm going to put this last plug, and I'm going to shut up. <laughs> because of the pandemic, premiums are increasing, and companies are not 
announcing it. Mm. Yeah, I had a client who I offered a policy for $96 for $50,000. And within the last month, that premium will now cost her for the same $50,000, $339 a month. Wow. I know she's not going to be able to afford that, right? So I'm right. saying to people, to your audience, if you don't have an agent, I'd love the opportunity to represent you. And I am a broker, so I represent several, approximately 10 to 11 companies. Um, I, I haven't counted them in a while. Um, so, but if you have a, uh, if you don't have um, life insurance, I'd love to be your representative. But if you have someone, then you probably want to have a conversation with them about potentially getting some more coverage because rates are going up because of the pandemic and morbidity or mortality uh, tables are changing because so many people have died. And so now it's costing more to protect people. Now is the time to get it. Now is the time. Anyway, that's my two cents. Now, where can they get a hold of you with your uh, with your uh, insurance company? Yep, you can actually go to Facebook. Most of what I do is on Facebook. I do have a little bit of on Instagram under Raymond Cotman. On Facebook, I have a page called Raymond Life Insurance or uh, Raymond Life Insurance Agent. I think that's what it's called. See, okay. yeah, I I tell you, I need somebody to help me in that regard, but. It's still, you can still find me under Raymond Cotton and inbox me, and I can get you all the information that you need. I do quotes. Um, and the other piece, too, is if you're a person of affluence, um, there are, are benefits in life insurance that you really want to take advantage of, tax-free income by max funding uh, a life insurance policy. It's a huge deal, huge deal. If you don't know about it, let me know. I'd love the opportunity to at least educate you. Amen. We had uh, Matt Sapala on here from the PHP agency, and he also he has a website where he talks about faith-based millionaires and faith-based uh, finances, and uh, he talks about as well uh, using insurance as a wealth-building tool. Yeah. So uh, it can it it it, uh, it was a good talk. It was a good talk. So uh, my brother, we can't thank you enough for coming on. You didn't have to do this. You did not need to do this. We truly appreciate you. You have the last word. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? And before anyone speaks to their audience, they should know what their audience is. Our audience is around 30 to 55-year-olds. I lovingly call them the Get Better Club. And uh, they're probably 40 to 60% Christian. But we have some secular brothers. We have some Muslim brothers. We have other people of other faiths that listen in to us. And we just, we just would like you to be able to give us some parting words. And we just thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, and it just feels so natural. This, it feels like a phone conversation, actually, and I appreciate it. Um, for parting words, you know, I shared earlier that my motto in life is that God ordains adversity. Uh, the scripture that I use or that I carry with me wherever I go, and, it, um, and what's funny about it is I've, I've shared this three times in the last couple of weeks. I haven't shared it in a long time. But it's Philippians uh, 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he that's begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means the one who started a good work in you, and God has good plans. He has a plan for your life. Um, he loves you, but he has a plan for your life. And when we get saved, a lot of times we come in and we think everything is going to be peaches and cream, and we find out that it's not. You are still a work in progress. God has not forgotten about you. He has not thrown you in the corner. 
He is still working for your good. The good, the bad, the ugly, whatever happens in your life is always, always for your good. And just know that he's going to be working on you until he returns. You are still a work in progress, but you are the, the Lord's creation and he loves you just as he did when he, when he formed the, the world in the very beginning. So um, be encouraged in that and know that um, your best Hello, if you enjoyed Raymond Cotman as much as we did, you can check him out on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube by simply typing Raymond, R-A-Y-M-O-N-D, Cotman, C-O-T-T-M-A-N. To check out his talk show, type on Facebook, Let's Talk Faith. And don't forget to subscribe to Becoming Disciplined.